as I mentioned last night, uh, I've spent a lot of New Year's on retreat. And, and yet, I, I find it kind of fascinating how the um, kind of the, the conditioned image and memories of New Year is not as much of retreat as of parties and even though I haven't been to very many New Year's parties, but the conditioning is so strong that I associate, when I, when I hear New Year's, the immediate association is with parties, with the countdown to New Year's, and with New Year's resolutions. And I just find it interesting to, 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 to give attention to how strong that, that conditioning is in our culture. And, and, and I'm sure at least some of you, maybe many, maybe all of you um, told someone that you were coming on retreat for New Year's and kind of, what? <laughs> Why would you want to do that? <laughs> how many How many had that, that experience? Yeah. How many during the day today have asked yourself, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so so that's that's a, that's a very interesting aspect of of New Year's, seeing that 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 strong conditioning. And so today, I've been I've been reflecting today on um, on this whole thing of New Year's resolutions, and I'd just like to uh, this evening reflect a little bit more and share with you some of some of my reflections. And so I began um, by looking up, as I like to do, looking up resolution. The Oxford Dictionary um, gives a, a whole list. There's, there's quite a number of, of definitions and uses of the word resolution. Um, some of them really stand out. First one is a firm decision to do or not to do something. And along with that goes the quality of being determined. So this this kind of relates. Uh, I think this relates to the New Year resolution. When we think of New Year resolution, what we usually think of is, okay, this is something I'm going to do or not do in the coming year, and and hopefully it's with strong determination, and that quality of being determined. So there's that 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 definition of resolution that has to do with with looking to the future, an intention for the future. Second one, the action of solving a problem, dispute, or contentious matter. And along with that goes the disappearance of a symptom or condition. And so I, when, I, when I read these, I, you know, and, and just reflecting on this, it's just so obvious, but it's interesting how the same word, resolution, has to do with an intention for the future and an ending of something from the past. So resolution is about beginning and ending. And of course at New Year's we, we tend to give more emphasis on the, the intention for the future. So my intention is to do something or to get something or to become more like this or become less like this. It's what to do. But a resolution could also be, and, and sometimes it is, um, more about an intention 
to to end the resolution is to end maybe some habit from the past and but even in that there's 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 a there's a futuring there's a sense of well I'm going to work to end this but resolution has this sense of beginning and of ending and um and I, I think I think this is um, this is something that maybe that 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 I find worthwhile exploring. Um, resolutions our, our resolutions so often have um, a lot to do with ourselves. You notice that I. My resolution is that I will do this. I will become this. I will get more of this. I will get less of this. And, uh, and, it, and it's kind of about myself. And, and I, I, this, this world, this, uh, just, just so many reflections, it's hard to kind of connect them all and, um, and give them any order or structure. Um, but um, I, I look at what's happening in the world, and it seems like there's a lot of separation happening. There's more and more gaps are growing, are are coming in and growing between different groups of people, different places, different religions, different um, economic. Um, Brackets, different um, employment um, abilities, um, just all kinds, all kinds of separations. Separations are happening, and when I when I look at this and see how resolution in the dictionary is about includes both beginning and ending, it gives me pause to reflect on how can an intention or can a resolution or is there a resolution that I can make that will be more about bringing together? Can our, can our resolutions be more about wholeness rather than contributing somehow to separation? to gaps. Um, a, um, this, this word resolution, um, looking at the word, <laughs> changing one letter in it, <laughs> revolution. Maybe we can ask the question, can, can our resolutions be in some way, revolutionary. Revolutionary in the sense of going against this trend in the world for, for separation, and for gaps, for increasing gaps. The word resolution can also um, be broken down, and I, and I have to credit this one to um, Molly. Molly gets um, uh, 
and, and, I, and I read it every, every week, um, a, an astrological website or emailing. And, and it's actually, I, when Molly started doing it, I kind of laughed at it too. But I, I kind of got into reading it, and, and it often has some really interesting, interesting, very interesting things in it. <laughs> Molly's shaking her head. <laughs> um, and uh, and so I have to give give credit to this this astrologer for this. She she pointed out how the word resolution can be broken down into re and solution. And this word solution has the sense of solving a problem, dispute, or contentious matter. So it fits very much into this. It can fit into the first one, this decision to do or not to do something. So we decide to do or not to do something as a way of solving some perceived uh, lack in ourselves or some perceived um, um, struggle in, in or within ourselves or something that we that's something that that's not right for us and we take the intention to solve it but she this uh, this astrologer pointed out how the word solution also has a, a chemistry meeting and a solution is when you put one thing into another and it dissolves in it and so so the, the solution is uh, this this wholesomeness this coming together and so so resolution we could we could look at resolution as a re solution and so we can see where things began whole and have separated, have grown a gap. A resolution can be, okay, how can we bring that together? What would it take? What would it mean? What would support that re-solution, the re-wholesomeness, the re-coming together? Resolution, resolution. In the dictionary, the um, in the context of chemistry, the um, the actual definition in the dic- dictionary is <laughs> the process of separating something into constituent parts. <laughs> so the actual dictionary definition of of resolution is about separating separating into constituent parts. And when I, when I read that, um, the, first, the first thing I thought of is in the teachings, how, how the Buddha gives the teachings on the five aggregates. And many of you are familiar with the five aggregates. Some of you perhaps not. So just briefly, the, the five aggregates is a model that the, the Buddha uses to kind of... Um, deconstruct to break down into constituent parts this self and the five aggregates are the body the physical structure of the body um, the, the feeling tone the, um, the quality of mind that recognizes 
pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. The quality of our experiences and every experience we have, everything we touch, taste, smell, hear, think about, is either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So this is one of the one of these five constituents of who we are. Third one is perception. And perception is is the quality of mind or the aspect of mind that actually perceives separate objects. It picks out an object, a particular object, and it could be anything, it could be any one of you. So from my perspective, my perceiving sees each of you as separate individual people. It sees this clock as being separate from everything else. Just the perception sees separateness. And it gives the separate objects names. So it identifies each person. It identifies this object down here and it gives it the name based on memory. Okay, so that, all of that is perception. So it's, it's kind of a complex thing, but it's, it's a, the Buddha identified it as one of the five constituent elements of who we are. And the, um, the, the fourth of the five aggregates is mental formations. So it's everything that forms in the mind, all the thoughts, ideas, beliefs, um, opinions, views, uh, likes, dislikes, anything that forms in the mind is a mental formation. And that's another aspect of who we are. And the fifth one is consciousness. And consciousness is the way that we connect this apparently separate being with these other apparently separate things in the world and people in the world. So how do we connect? We connect through seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, smelling, and thinking about. And so we have seeing consciousness, hearing consciousness, tasting consciousness, and the other ones. Okay, so this is consciousness. So consciousness connects, connects this apparently separate thing with these other apparently separate things. And um, and so so when when I when I, I read this definition of separating something into constituent parts, my immediate thought was, ah, yes, the Buddha separated this self into these separate constituent parts. And the the one of the most important things about using this as a model and using it as, a, as an exercise in, in, in the practice of, of giving attention to these to each of these aggregates and how they how they function and when they're functioning and when they're not functioning is to start to see how we can we can separate into these individual things and and we can actually through through the, the meditation through the the investigation we can actually experience that these aggregates each have their own separate function and yet we start to see that 
they have their separate functions, but the separate functions all affect one another. And so the question comes up, are they really separate constituents? Is there such a thing as separate constituents? And that's a whole area for exploration. And some people say yes, some say no, some say both yes and no, (laughs) some say neither yes nor no, (laughs) some say sometimes they're separate and sometimes they're not. (laughs) And... And, uh, and I think it's a, it's a very useful and important exploration in, in, this, in this practice, which, which to a very large extent is an exploration of this question, who, who am I? What is this self? Who, what is, who is this, this me? And, and another important question is, this, this self here, am I really separate from the world is there a gap between me and this world the world that I perceive as being out there and where does me and where does out there begin and end so all of all of this came out of just looking at this word resolution and, re- and reflecting on resolution and it was interesting, really interesting to see how, how it pointed me back to the teachings. And it, it pointed me to the teachings in, an, in another way, in another aspect of the teachings, the Buddha taught of right intention. And intention I see very much related to, connected to, maybe the same as a resolution. Like a New Year resolution is an intention. It's an intention for the coming year. And the Buddha spoke of right intention as part of the path. Right intention. We have lots of intentions. We have lots of intentions. And how many of them do we actually follow through on? (laughs) And how many of them actually come to fruition? manifestation and the Buddha the Buddha so the Buddha spoke of right intention so what what does he mean by right intention and the Buddha again took this 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 thing right intention and broke it down into constituent parts and the constituent parts that for him that make up right intention are the intentions and and just um, just last night I spoke about the um, the the precepts the, these precepts and how the wording is I undertake the training I undertake the training and I, I think with intentions we can also if we if we can take that same wording and rather than say I intend to say I undertake the training to and then it becomes it's not something that I intend to do somewhere off in the future, but it becomes a practice. It's an actual practice. It's an ongoing exploration, an ongoing practice. And, and when I see it that way, um, it, it kind of eases the pressure a little bit. It doesn't put as much pressure on, oh, I 
to do this. I have to do this, and if I don't get it, I'm failing. And it, it takes away that sense of failure because it's an ongoing process, an ongoing exploration and investigation. And so I intend, I undertake the training to. It also allows for some forgiveness. You know, if I go off track, ah, okay, that's happened. Got off track. Okay, I just come back and I, and I start again. I start again. Um, I used to use the image... Um, it's a little hard here. I used to use the image of um, having a board and, and, and remembering this from my childhood, having a board on a slant and a toy car and put the car at the top of the slope and give it a little push. <laughs> and there's the intention, <laughs> that little push. And of course, the intention is that it's going to run down the, the, the board and get to the bottom. And if you put two cars side by side, <laughs> the intention is for one of them to win. And, and so, there's, so there's that intention. You give the little push. But what I remember noticing is that sometimes the car would veer off and kind of fall over the edge. <laughs> and, um, and so then what you do is you pick it up and you put it back on and you give it another little nudge. And off it goes again. And, and, and it, it, I think that applies, or it can apply to our intentions. When an intention isn't isn't working out or we forget our intention when we remember can we just pick up and give it another just another little nudge just enough to get it started and once it starts it has the momentum and then with that momentum every now and then it may need another little nudge a little reminder a little bit of effort and eventually it gets to the bottom of the plank Eventually, it gets to the end. And so it allows for that, that sense of an ongoing practice. It's, it's really like the, the mindfulness of breathing. You know, the mindfulness of breathing, we, we can sit there and think, oh, I have to just stay with my breath. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and, then, and then at some point, I notice, boy, I can't remember when I last noticed my breath. I've been so busy thinking about this. <laughs> you know, I just can't do this. <laughs> but the, pra- the practice isn't just to force yourself to stay with one breath. It's to be at rest with the experience of breathing. And when you notice it's gone off, you notice this is what's happening right now. And you come back and start again. You start again. You just begin again, just with this breath. And so it's it's the same kind of thing. It's you know there's a there's a forgiving in there, and there's um and there's a an attention to process, attention to starting again. Not because I've failed or I've done it wrong or I can't do it, but because conditions have been such that this is what's happened. And now I start again. Same in the walking meditation. You know, it's just one step at a time. You just take this step. And then you take this step. And you take this step. 
And if you get lost, you just stop. You feel your feet on the ground, and you take one step. And it's just that one step that really matters. Each one step, that's the little nudge. And that one step will set up a momentum, and eventually you'll go off. You know, you'll be walking outside, and you'll see the trees blow, or see the wind, or you'll suddenly feel the sun shining on you, and step, what step? (laughs) But you notice that, and then you come back, and you start again, one step. Can we bring this practice into our intentions? Can we bring this kind of practice, this way of practicing, into our resolutions? So intention, so the the way the Buddha broke down right intention is that right intention has three parts to it. And the three parts are, the first one is, is the one that here in the West many of us just don't like to hear. It's renunciation. Renunciation. I think we've 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 yeah in in the West and particularly in North America, um, I think we've become become quite spoiled with our privilege. We really do live in a a state of privilege, and um, and I would say that. Um, especially we white males <laughs> have great privilege in this culture and and we become spoiled by it and and I think we all know that when we when we become spoiled by something we get used to it we get attached to it and it's hard to let go it's hard to give up what we feel we deserve or what we feel we've Earned, or what we feel is rightly ours. When I look in the world, around in the world, and I see all these separations, I see how much of it is based on economics and based on race and based on geography and and based on so many factors that lead to those who have and those who don't have. And here in the West, we're very much in the part... It's a generalization, but statistically it's true (laughs) that in the West, we're very much in the part that has. We're in the haves. And of course, within the West, there are gaps within that. There are haves and there are haves lesses. <laughs> and um, and and that and that and and the these these gaps these gaps the 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 only way I can see the, and these gaps give rise to so much suffering, so much dukkha arising out of these gaps, and. We see it with. Um, we see it in so many ways. We see it in um, in the the divisions in um, yeah the, the economic divisions. 
we see it in the racial divisions. Uh, we just see it in, in so many different ways. And, and it seems to me, when I really reflect on it and, and look at the situation, it seems to me that the only resolution of this will come when there is some renunciation. And that, that renunciation, the, the, the renunciation that has to happen is a renunciation that will lead to a lessening of the gaps. One, one, of the, um, one of the thoughts that came to me in, in reflecting on this is that these, um, these island nations, these, these countries on these little islands, mostly out in the Pacific Ocean, who are imminently going to literally be washed away. And, and I see how little the, the, you know, they come to these big international conferences, they come to the United Nations, they come to individual governments asking for help. And I don't see that help coming because it requires renunciation. And yet, re-solution, re-solution, the resolution of these gaps has to be through coming together, not through perpetuating the gaps the separations, us and them. Too bad for them. And the reason that these countries are imminently going to be washed away is because of climate change. And when I look at climate change and reflect on climate change and listen to the, 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 the climate experts, it seems to me that really the only resolution is through renunciation. The climate change can be, maybe be lessened a little bit, maybe be held steady, but the only way I can see, and, and, and from what I hear from experts on climate change, the only way to have any hope of reversing it is through renunciation, through using less, being satisfied with less. And our, us, we in the West, being satisfied with less, of course will help. You know, if the haves are satisfied with less, then to a certain extent it will help the have-nots to have a little bit more but there has to be a coming together at a point that the overall, overall, is renunciation. It's a real need to, to close the gap and to close the gap at a level that is sustainable. Renunciation. And renunciation... Is, is really very much related. Again, the, Bu- the Buddha gave these three parts, but they're, they're really, you know, we can ask the same questions. Are they really separate? 
can we can we separate them? And the other two are the intentions for non-harming and non-ill will. And if we reflect on how we live our lives, give attention to how we live our lives, and give attention to our intentions, and give attention to our resolutions. It may be useful to bring these into the context of the Dharma. And in the context of the Dharma, we could use the questions, is my intention, is my resolution leading to non-harming and non-ill will? Or is it contributing in some way to harming for myself or for others or for the environment? Really important question. And the more I give attention to these questions, the more I, the more it leads me to an exploration of this the interconnectedness, the non-separateness. And so, the more it leads me to exploring ways again, to to exploring different ways and other ways, and ways that I may not even have imagined of contributing to. The, the solution in the sense of this coming together. And, 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 and it, it seems like it seems like to do this is going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of effort. But when I when I when I think of of Solutions of, of things dissolving in other things, and then I think of this um, this definition, the process of separating something into constituent parts. I think of um, the, the the reflection that that comes is um, putting some sugar into my tea or some honey into my tea, and I stir it, and there's a solution. It's dissolved, and then I think about what would it take to separate that honey back out from that? And I see it takes a lot more effort to separate than to bring together. And yet so much we re- so much resistance we have to that, that bringing together and so much effort we put into separating and keeping keeping separate the, the 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 coming together is a much more natural process and in fact requires much less effort and much less struggle and what is it that keeps us from, in so many situations, in so many aspects of our lives, what is it that keeps us from allowing that coming together? 
very important question for us to explore. One of the, um, one of the, perhaps the most profound teaching of the Buddha is this teaching of anatta. This teaching of anatta, which literally means without selfness. And it means without selfness in the sense of without separate selfness. Anatta means the absence of a separate self. And what Anatta is is pointing to is that yes, this these five aggregates exist here, and these five aggregates in a sense exist as a separate manifestation from each of these other five aggregates out here. You know, there's there's this one sitting here and there's this one sitting here and this one sitting here and this one sitting here but when we look closely when we, when we really give attention and look closely and reflect on we see that um, or I, I see that I'm sitting here these five aggregates are here in this particular formation in this particular place in this particular moment because each of these other five aggregates are all in their particular places and particular moments and particular formations. And this this particular formation of the five aggregates is, is manifesting in a particular way because of what it sees, who it sees, because of sounds that it hears, because of smells that it may smell, because of thoughts that it may have, because of um, tastes that it may have. And each time I look out and see a different face, that is influencing and affecting who I am in this moment. Each time a memory comes of one of my reflections earlier in the day, it shapes the mind and shapes who this being is in this moment. Each time a memory comes of lunch today, (laughs) it shapes who I am. So who I am, who this being is, these, these five aggregates are here, but these five aggregates are here as a manifestation of all these connections and relationships. It's not separate from any of the others. And each of you are similar. Who we are is changing from moment to moment to moment, dependent on the thoughts the feelings, the perceptions, the consciousness, the body, the state of the body. 
Okay, we can we can see, we can see when, in 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 the meditation when when the the body is very comfortable and there's no pains or aches or complaints of the body, how easily the mind becomes very calm and peaceful and at ease and and maybe maybe even quiet. <laughs> and then when a pain comes, we can see how the mind changes. The body and the mind aren't separate. And we can see how often that that pain, so we, we can we can see maybe we're, we're sitting cross-legged and it's nice and comfortable and easy and it's, um, ah, good, you know, just with the breathing, ah, coming back, start again. And then a pain starts up in the knee. And it's, oh, there's that pain in my knee. Should I move? Should I sit still? Should I do this? Should I do that? Am I damaging myself? Am I going to be able to get up? When's the bell going to ring? And, and, oh, I'm just going to move. And I move my knee. And sometimes just the slightest little bit, pain goes, ah, You know, so we can see how the posture, just the posture, affects who I am from one moment to the next. The position of the body affects who I am. You know, and then and then with the, the position of the body, okay, there's the position of the body, and then it's, oh, I'm sitting here, and oh, this chair is really getting to feel hard. I better put a, another cushion on here. Ah, that's much better. And so who I am is being determined by the hardness of the chair and the softness of the cushion. So who I am is not separate from the chair or the cushion. And we can go on and on and see how we're all interconnected. Everything is interconnected. And this is anatta. And then perception comes in and says, oh no, it's me here and the world is all out there. Perception comes in and separates it all. And the tragedy is that we believe that perception. And we believe it largely because it happens over and over and over and over again and doesn't let us forget But when we really explore and examine, we start to see and start to question, is it really like that? And in this, in this exploration of anatta, we can start to see and feel, experience, and allow for more of the coming together. Less of the the believing in the perception of the separation. And hopefully this understanding will begin to affect how we live and begin to affect our intentions and our resolutions. Our practices, our undertakings, our trainings...
So lots of lots lots of reflections, lots of lots of thoughts, lots of exploration, lots of um, lots of questions to explore. And as we as we approach as we approach this this moment of counting down <laughs> to midnight, <laughs> as we approach this moment of perhaps making our resolutions. I really encourage you, I really encourage you to to question how does the Dharma come into this? How does the practice come into this? How can I bring my practice and my understanding, my wisdom, my insight into these resolutions? And and what are my underlying intentions? with my resolutions. And and hopefully, hopefully all of us, each of us and all of us will find ways of bringing the Dharma into these resolutions, these intentions, and through that bringing the Dharma more into our lives in a way that really is contributing to renunciation, non-harming, and non-ill will. So let's sit quietly together for a few minutes. Knowing our non-separateness, we're all sitting here together in support of one another. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.